the hottest mushroom farm in the USA, legalized mushrooms high in the mountains, plus speaking the language of fungi. Don't move a mushkel because all that and more is coming up on this episode of The Mushroom Show. First of all, welcome back to The Mushroom Show. Now, originally this started as an idea where we were gonna do a bunch of long-form interviews, and we did a bunch of long-form interviews, and they were super cool, but I always kind of envisioned The Mushroom Show as the place where you could check out every couple of weeks, hopefully, and serve as kind of a you know a center point to cover everything that is going on in mushrooms. So instead of doing long-form interviews, we're gonna be doing a, a variety show where we talk about different topics in mushrooms. We're gonna bring on other guests, which I'm lucky enough to be able to interview on the show that are kind of more experts in certain topics and we'll see how it goes. I'm kind of excited about the show overall and just going to see how it evolves into a place where I get to spread the spores and share the magic of mushrooms. I'm really looking forward to your feedback. Let me know what you think of the mushroom show. Uh, but anyways, we got a super good show coming up today as the first ever new version of The Mushroom Show. We're going to be talking about one of the hottest mushroom farms in Miami. Really cool. Got a chance to go down to visit this farm while I was at the Microdose Conference. Also, while I was down there, I got to interview someone who is making a little machine that helps understand the language of fungi in a way. It makes like mushroom music, which is really cool. Plus, we're going to be covering the ever-changing narrative of psilocybin mushrooms and what's going on with Colorado with Proposition. 122. So without further ado, let's jump right into our first story, which is mushrooms in Miami. And it was just super awesome. So I wanted to share that with you. Let's roll the clip. So right now I am in Miami, Florida, and it is hot outside. It is sunny. It is warm. But in this room, it is cool, it is humid, and it is mushroomy. Miami, Florida is known for its sunny beaches and warm weather, but it doesn't necessarily jump out as being a hub for mushrooms. It's a good thing, however, that nobody told that to Nico and Andreas, the co-owners of the aptly named Marvelous Mushroom Urban Mushroom Farm located in Miami, Florida. My name is Andrea Pellegrin. I work at Marvelous Mushrooms Miami. My name is Nico and I'm one of the owners of Marvelous Mushroom Miami. The pair didn't start as mushroom farmers. They were actually owners of a vegan restaurant in Miami Beach. We're always passionate about mushrooms since we were kids in Italy. But in early 2020, when restaurants across the globe were getting shut down, they needed to find a way to pivot. And that's when they turned to mushrooms. Pandemic hit and our restaurant closed and, uh, you know, we wanted to to do something with food and especially with mushrooms. Andreas and Nico built the farm from scratch, which now has a number of grow rooms producing a variety of different mushrooms like yellow oyster, blue oyster, lion's mane, and also other favorites like piopino and shiitake. It's definitely challenging and complicated. There's a lot of variables and a lot of things that you have to consider. With oyster mushrooms in particular, they need a lot of fresh air. So I'm always blown away to see these tiny little grow rooms get enough fresh air to grow big, freaking oyster mushroom caps. Mushroom farming is not easy, especially when you're fighting against nature. With the intense Florida heat, the two originally struggled to get their mushroom farm into operation. Miami inside the warehouse is 90, 95 degrees during summer and you want to have a room like a 60s. So that was the biggest, definitely the biggest challenge we had. They started with straw logs, but faced a lot of issues with contamination and inefficiency of the process. Eventually, with some help from the wider mushroom community, notably Alex Winstead from Cascadia Mushrooms in Washington and Snow Valley Mushrooms, also in Washington, they were able to design a system to keep the fruiting rooms cool enough for the mushrooms to thrive. And now that the restaurants are back open, their business is starting to mushroom. The way it works in Italy is that when you go to a restaurant, especially a Michelin star, 
uh, restaurant, you have a relationship being the farmer with the chef that it's an, that on a day-to-day -day basis. So you will go there with the fresh produce and uh, entertain a conversation about the quality, many variables, the weather, so the chef will get a true farm-to-table experience. So behind me is Lion's Mane, which is one of the most satisfying mushrooms to grow because not only is it a powerful medicinal mushroom or powerful functional mushroom, it's... By the way, that sound you hear, that's the sound of the actuator that is humidifying the mushroom grow rooms. So sorry about the annoying sound, but it was not really possible to edit it out. Mushroom, it's also an awesome gourmet mushroom. These guys really know how to cook mushrooms, which is what they're gonna be using this lion's mane for. The other cool thing too is just how it grows. You just basically cut an X in the bag and the mushrooms just know where to grow. They will just grow right through it. Not only that, sometimes they'll just grow where you don't expect them to grow. Lion's mane just wants to fruit. So we'll sometimes just go right through the bag at various points. But in this case, these mushrooms behind me, they're, they just cut an X and the mushrooms come out as an X and eventually you get this big, beautiful, huge lion's mane fruiting body coming out of this bag. Growing mushrooms indoors in this urban environment allows Nico and Andreas to provide mushroom-based dishes for people on Miami Beach that are tasty and healthy. Your body can definitely uh, taste the difference. Just the way it makes you feel, not even after you eat it, but why you have the experience of the food in your mouth. You go to supermarkets, in another country and you realize that there's something that is not quite the same in the way that particular ingredient is being grown. Especially in Miami that now it's vibrant and it's uh, exponentially growing, especially in the culinary sense. So what's next? Well, Andreas and Nico plan to keep expanding the operation as they're getting a great response from the community. And that means more mushrooms for Miami. Yes, I love mushrooms. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> I know they're gonna have a ton of success down there. Again, growing mushrooms is not easy. Growing mushrooms in Florida when you're starting from scratch, even harder, but they seem to be doing an amazing job. Uh, it was just super cool to see all the mushrooms that they were growing down there. And again, when you're in those growing rooms, even though you're in Miami and it's super hot, it felt cool, it felt very mushroomy. And you could see how many mushrooms they were producing. And again, talk to them, they just have such a passion for this. And it's gonna be super cool to see where that all leads. On to our next story. Everyone's talking about this. It is Proposition 122. This is something that was just voted on in Colorado on November 8th, and that is a proposition to legalize psilocybin mushrooms, among other psychedelics. Now, obviously, there's a lot more nuance to this than just legalized psilocybin, but this is a big deal, right? It is the second state to have some sort of legislation, some sort of legalization or decriminalization framework around psilocybin mushrooms. Denver already did decriminalize mushrooms. Again, I'm not a law expert, but in a way it was just made a couple years ago as like the lowest priority of law enforcement. This new legal framework, Prop 122, allows for legalization statewide. There's some important differences from what is going on in Oregon. Even though they did pass this law, 70% of the state or 70% of the counties, cities decided to ban it anyway. But in the Colorado law, it was decided that counties and states wouldn't be able to ban it. So now that this thing has passed, it's gonna be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Now, here are some of the highlights. Again, I'm not a legal expert. I haven't read through the whole law, but here are some of the highlights 
what this is going to look like. Number one, adults ages 21 and older are going to be able to possess, use, grow, which is pretty important, uh, grow, share mushrooms with psilocybin and psilocin, the hallucinogens found in psychedelic shrooms, which is kind of a funny way to put it. By late 2024, licensed healing centers will be able to start opening to provide magic mushrooms to clients. Customers pay for the facility supervision services while experiencing the plant. It's funny uh, being somebody who's super into mushrooms and then seeing how some of the verbiage is displayed on the news sites and stuff like that. So I, I don't know, it's funny just calling it the hallucinogens found in psychedelic shrooms or uh, services while experiencing the plant. I guess, you know, psilocybin mushrooms are not a plant, they're fungi. But I guess this might be also including some of the other psychedelics that are gonna be legalized under this framework. Three other plant-based psychedelics, mescaline, excluding peyote cactus, ibogaine, and dimethyltryptamine are also gonna be decriminalized for 21 and up. By mid-2026, a state advisory board will recommend whether healing centers can add mescaline, ibogaine, and DMT to their services, in addition to magic mushrooms. So it's like psilocybin kind of got uh, put to the front. That's gonna be dealt with first, and the other psychedelics are kind of kicked down the road to 2026. I'm not sure exactly why that is. Maybe that's because Denver is already kind of de facto decriminalized psilocybin mushrooms. And then the final thing that's kind of interesting, and again, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't fully understand it, but criminal records of people with past convictions involving the legalized substances will be sealed, meaning past offenses won't be public record. That seems kind of important. That seems kind of cool. But here's the other interesting part. This is what Prop 122 forbids. So the retail or commercial sales of psychedelics outside of licensed facilities. So unlike what is happening in Vancouver, and you might've seen the video that we did in Vancouver where there is mushroom dispensaries, even though they're not legally operating, they are operating, they're not being bothered by the law. Prop 122 will forbid retail sales of any kind of psychedelics. So you won't be able to just walk into a store and buy mushrooms which is kind of interesting. I'm not sure exactly why they did it that way, but it looks like outside of these licensed facilities or healing centers, you won't be able to just go and get mushrooms. Number two, this is the thing I was talking about earlier, was Colorado counties and municipalities are not able to ban these healing centers. So unlike in Oregon, where 70% of the state said, we don't want anything to do with this, you're not gonna be able to do that in Colorado. So talks about what's going to happen next. Basically, they're going to be putting together a committee to try and figure out what all this means. If you want to go read the read Prop 122, it's kind of interesting, but <laughs> unless you're a lawyer, it is kind of hard to figure out exactly what's going on. But in order to get a little more insight on this whole uh, topic, I was able to sit down and chat with Devin Phillips. He's a creative strategist with Maps, which is pretty cool. He he works on trying to find kind of the, the intersection of culture with uh, psilocybin and psychedelics and how those things interact. Uh, he also spoke at the Microdose, uh, the Wonderland conference down in Miami. And he also lives in Denver. So he's super tied into everything that's going on there. So here is that interview that I got a chance to do with Devin Phillips. So for Prop 122, Colorado is the second state to you know legalize um, psilocybin among other psychedelics. And I guess legalize is kind of a loose term because there's all sorts of you know different ways that that's going to come about. But maybe just tell me about what Proposition 122 means for psilocybin mushrooms in Colorado. Like what is changing? There's a decrim model and there's a regulatory model that happens with psilocybin. The decrim model is now 
people in Colorado will be able to both possess and grow uh, mushrooms. The regulatory model is there's going to be a committee that kind of creates these rules with Dora of how these regulatory businesses should operate. So you'll be able to go buy mushroom services. You can't buy them outside though. So that's the difference between legalization and decrim, right? Legalization is a full marketing ability. If it was legal, there'd be a whole different type of business concept. This is a decrim model right now. So you can't go be a at-home mushroom, quote unquote, facilitator dealer, right? You still have to do a regulatory business license model. You have to be a trained facilitator. And that's still kind of broader what that is. That's why we have that two-year time period to discuss, like, what does it mean to be trained to facilitate with mushrooms? But people will be able to, like it says, people over the age of 21 will be able to possess, grow, which is interesting, and share mushrooms, uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Like, I guess the question is, so you won't be able to just like go into a store and buy them, but you'll be able Mm. to grow them and possess them. So there will be no mushroom dispensary. You can't go and buy and eat the mushrooms. You can gift, technically. You can grow, you can gift, but what does it mean? What does personal possession mean? Can I have 20 grams on me? Can I have 100 grams on me? Are you measuring psilocybin or psilocin? Well, that's hard because with this whole process, there is going to be a chosen committee to create these rulings. That's where it's in gray drug policy because that actually feeds into the war on drugs. When you have something that's gray and you allow, say, the police to pick and choose what's black at that point, they can make their own kind of laws and they can see who they're going to prosecute or not going to prosecute. So this needs to be have a large amount of clarity what does personal use mean? What does gifting mean? How much can you grow? And that will be all decided hopefully in the next year or two if these committees have chosen. Interestingly enough, there's many grassroots organizations in Colorado that were against Prop 122. And the reason why is because they see this as a possible cannabis replication. You know, and cannabis immediately got diluted with a bunch of franchise uh, ruling. You'd have 10, 20, 30 stores pop up. And because the, the margins were so low, you had to made up for the profit with the actual quantity of stores that you had. So one rule that they already put with Prop 122 is no individual or organization can have more than five health centers. So there's some things that they have started early on ruling. Like how do you really build something that's been in traditional use for so long? and make sure that it both benefits communities. You have to have an educational point there from just the actual education of the substance itself, an education of business practices, education on taxation practices. There's a bunch of things that's not really known yet that is going to be really, it's going to be a responsibility on us and those in the community to really get that out and, and speak to the community to realize what is the best structure that we can build us in, which again, is inclusive and successful. Do you think it's fair to compare the legalization of cannabis and the, and the path that that took to the legalization of psilocybin and what the future should look like? I think there's components that are fair. No one's going to go buy, for the most part, mushrooms every day like they would a joint every day, right? It, it's a different experience from the actual intake. But in saying that, if there is a lot of hurdles to jump over like there were in cannabis and you need million or something to get a center going to begin with, you then isolate a only one type of community or demographic can actually do this business, which would kind of happen to cannabis. You had a bunch of mom and pop shops start up, but after a while, they were driven out the market because of the way that the franchise strategy of cannabis happened. So I think the substances, although are different from a experience standpoint, kind of how it traditionally used, although cannabis has been used in, in medicinal ways for years also, there are concerns about how business practices are started and the complexity, like getting into the business. For example, like 
if I'm in indigenous culture and I've been facilitating this medicine for 15 years, do I have to do the same training as someone who's just started here a year ago and they've done a year and a half program or a six months program? Because they have money to start a business, do they get a head start? Even though there have been people who've been here who've been doing this for 10, 20, 30 years. So, so Denver had already decriminalized uh, psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Being yeah, that you're a Denver resident, do you think that this new law is going to make a big difference? Did the past law make the biggest difference? Or is the you know underground mushroom community just kind of doing their thing and not really paying attention to it? Mushrooms are already pretty lax to begin with, but the decriminal has made people here really lax. And then we rephrase this, there's still black and brown communities that are never lax when it comes to drugs. That's a, that's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. Or a broader picture. This is huge because this is a regulatory model. I mean, you're actually creating a whole business model over mushrooms and psychedelics. So that changes the whole relationship that many will have. I mean, again, just like cannabis and the other stores, there there will be a, a population of people who have probably never tried psychedelics who will have some type of psychedelic service. In your opinion, like, what do you think the future of psilocybin mushrooms is in the U.S. and how long do you think it takes to play out? somewhat broad decrim model and maybe 30 to 50 percent of states like the next five years especially when the phase three studies come out of companies like psilocybin and other ones who are using psilocybin or derivatives of psilocybin to treat their patients i mean because again once you start talking about treating ptsd and other things that are really a bipartisan subject um it does scale a lot faster but there's a difference to me this is kind of what i do with my work is there's a difference in question of when will things scale and be accepted and when will things responsibly be able to have a, a responsible infrastructure. That I don't know fully. Until we have built a scaling model like Colorado and we can see what damage or positivity has been done of having major centers and having people come in and invest $10 million on the mushroom company, the underground will always be reactive of the above ground, right? So it's like we will have the biggest legal market probably in America, but we also have the biggest quote unquote illegal market in America too, right? So it's like, we have to see how both these work together and make sure we build containers personally that make sure both these containers are safe. America, as far as if we were to ask, will widely accept mushrooms in the next five years. I think states will get to about 50% capacity of decrim in about five to seven years. I think this is why Colorado is so important is figuring out how do we get this down to really replicate, not just not trying to replicate a business model, but replicate a community model that has great business. Right. It's all integrated, right? I mean, our society involves community and it involves business and uh, mushrooms is going to play a role in all of those things. So my main like brain and butter is like really the relationship between psychedelics and our culture, the pop culture, mainstream culture, black and brown community culture. And how do we, you know, I always say a true education is a transformation, right? And research is great, but research is only information. There's cultural vehicles, art, dance, music, comedies, that take that information and it takes it to a transformation. So it's like, how do we talk to people who are influential within the city, which politicians, which are artists, musicians, how do we give them tools and resources to turn around and build their micro communities in a responsible way with responsible conversations? Like that's like my bread and butter. Well, I would talk about is how do we get this to the people who are not in the research or not in the indigenous traditional usage and how we get that, how do we meet them where they're at? So well said. Thanks again for, for doing this. All right, fellas. Have a good one. Again, it's going to be super interesting to see how this all unfolds, right? Where I mean, we're kind of in a new paradigm where over the next, call it one to five or 10 plus years, the way that people use psilocybin mushrooms, the legality of psilocybin mushrooms, 
is going to change a lot. And I just think that's, uh, you know, really interesting. It'll be really interesting to follow how that all plays out. There's a lot of stakeholders involved, right? A lot of people uh, are involved in it and um, it hasn't really been, been done before on a, on a large scale. So, but you can be sure that we're going to be covering a lot of this right here on The Mushroom Show. This episode of The Mushroom Show is brought to you by Fresh Cap Mushrooms. No matter what health goal you're trying to achieve, there's likely a mushroom to help you get there. Now, one of the things I don't talk about that much here on the channel or anywhere really is in the earlier days of Fresh Cap, I spent a lot of my time doing customer service. But a lot of the time you're just kind of figuring out where people's packages are or things that got lost in the mail or people that are having trouble checking out online or something like that. But a lot of the time what happens is people will phone up customer service and tell us about these amazing things that they've experienced with mushrooms and these amazing changes that they experience from the power of mushrooms. And that really is what inspires everything that we do at Fresh Cap. Anyone who's experienced benefits from mushrooms knows how powerful these things can be. So that's enough of an ad read. If you want to try mushrooms though, check out our website and use code the mushroom show to get 10% off your very first order. Now we did a video actually maybe uh, three months ago about a scientific paper that came out that said mushrooms speak a language of about 50 words. It was quite the headline, right? Like, well, mushrooms have a language. That's crazy. But basically what was happening was scientists had put in all these probes into the fruiting bodies of various mushrooms and then use that to try to decipher if mushrooms are speaking a language. And kind of what they found was the electrical signals could be mapped and you could use a bunch of crazy mathematics and you could break out this kind of language of 50 words. Now, it's a bit of hyperbole because it's not actually a, a language. It's just these electrical signals. But it does go to show that these mushrooms are alive and they might be saying things. Now, other than just trying to figure out what language they're speaking, you can also make cool music with them. I got to experience this myself in the summer when I was down at this thing called the Summer Tripout. There was a DJ there and he had a bunch of flocks of yellow oyster mushrooms and blue oyster mushrooms. He had these electrodes connected to it and he was playing music in the background. He also had like Terrence McKenna in the background, which was kind of cool. And then as he was manipulating the mushrooms, he was making all of this different, like really cool music. But when I was down in Miami, I was walking around on the show floor and I ran into Joe Petacucci. He has this thing called the Plant Wave and it's a little machine and you clip it into the mushrooms and you had it clipped into some lion's mane mushroom and then it's connected to an app and it makes all sorts of really cool music. This thing was really cool uh, and it sounded super awesome. So I stopped to interview him and I wanted to share that with you right now. Hey, my name is Joe Patitucci. I'm an artist. I make music with plants and mushrooms. Awesome. So I was walking by and I saw this mushroom that was connected to these electrodes and it's singing all sorts of crazy music. Why don't you let us know what's going on here? So what's going on is we're using uh, what's called a plant wave and what it does is it translates subtle changes in biorhythms of plants and mushrooms into music. Basically measuring these slight changes in conductivity through a living organism. It's graphing that as a wave and translating the wave into pitch. And then we have different instruments you can select to listen to this data from your, uh, from your plant or mushroom. So we're basically listening to the language of mushrooms in a way. And there was a research paper that came out, I don't know if you heard about this, that said like mushrooms basically have their own language and a syntax of about 50 words. Have you seen this? And if so, what do you think about it? I've seen that and that makes sense to me. I mean, every living being is going to have an intelligence that serves its own survival and thrival on earth. So why not mushrooms? And out of all the mushrooms, have you tried it on different mushrooms? I have, uh, yeah, I've tried it on the, like turkey tail, uh, all, all sorts of mushrooms, definitely. And what mushroom do you think has the most interesting language so far? 
and you can say psilocybin mushrooms if you want to. Oh, I've actually seen some. I, I haven't tr- tested on psilocybin mushrooms, but some of uh, the Plant Wave customers that have their own Plant Wave, I've seen them make psilocybin music. And uh, look up literal psychedelic music on uh, on Instagram. It's the hashtag. There's lots of people doing that. It's pretty fun. And is this a product like people can buy and plug into their own mushrooms or their own plants? People can buy this. Uh, just go to plantwave.com. You can grab a plant wave. Just take it out of the box, hook it up to your plant or mushroom, and then, yeah, you can listen. We have instruments on your phone that you can listen to. There you go. So if you want to listen to mushrooms, if you want to maybe speak to mushrooms in a different way, you should check this out. It's totally cool. Now, again, the study that I was asking about at the end of the interview there was about that, you know, the mushrooms that have a language of 50 words. If you want to read that paper yourself, it is in the show notes. I warn you, it is a little bit complex. It takes a while to kind of like wrap your mind around it. I, I still don't really fully understand it. But, you know, if you want to check it out, let me know what you think. Um, and if you want to check out Plant Wave, Joe Petacucci's company, just check the link in the description as well. Not an affiliate link or anything. I just thought that machine was pretty cool and wanted to share it. So that is it for this first episode of the new version of The Mushroom Show. I'm super excited about this. I think there's lots of stuff going on that we could cover. We're going to be bringing on all sorts of really cool guests covering everything that's happening in the ever-changing world of mushrooms. If you have any recommendations or anything that you want to talk about or you want me to talk about on The Mushroom Show, be sure to let me know in the comment section below. Again, thank you so much for watching and we'll catch it in the next episode.